Hey, thanks for downloading our Anzac Day special podcast. We hope you're having uh, an amazing day with your family, reflecting on just how lucky we are uh, for the people who gave their lives to have a beautiful country the way that we do today. Yeah, we wanted to shine a light, of it, a light on it and speak to some really amazing Australian soldiers uh, to talk about their experiences and also what Anzac means to them as well, Anzac Day. Yeah, first up we heard from Michael Leant, who was dismantling a Taliban-made explosive device. It blew up, took his right hand and his eyes. Very interesting character. Now he's an occupational therapist. Uh, we'll be chatting to him. Plus, uh, Brody, who joined us. Can you believe he joined the army when he was 17 and his first overseas trip? I know, that he didn't go to Bali, deployed, didn't go to anything else. Deployed. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Um, he's doing some amazing work too. And he speaks about in this podcast what Anzac Day means to him. And I think it's it's one of the things that you realise it's so important, especially for our children, to make sure, well, to realise what duty we have to continue that onto our children mm-hmm. and make sure that they keep it alive. Yeah, it's a good opportunity forget. to speak about family members as well that were in the war. We always go through photos. Now you can find all the photos online mm. as well yeah. if you're interested in finding out about family members that did fight. Uh, so he speaks very candidly, uh, Brody, in a round of Do You Mind If I Ask? Let's get into it. Start your day the better way with Stab Abby and Matt on B105. Forgive me for being so inquisitive. Do you mind? Do you mind, do you mind if I ask you a personal question? Do you mind if I ask? That's when we have people that come in uh, with a, with a different history or maybe mm-hmm. a different circumstance where we can ask questions to get a better understanding of what they've gone through, especially in this situation. We're joined by Brody, who is a war veteran from Brisbane. Brody, do you mind if I ask how old you are now? Uh, I am thirty one years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're so baby faced. Oh, thank you. Now. <laughs> I appreciate that. And, but you signed up for the army when you were how old? Uh, I was seventeen. Yeah, straight out of school and and went off and joined the army and. Uh, yeah, had a really good time and uh, experienced a lot. Mm. But uh, yeah, then transitioned to nursing after that. And now you're very passionate about helping war veterans in the mental health space. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I am. Uh, you know, veteran healthcare is something that I'm very passionate about. Obviously, I'm combining you know two experiences that I've had in my life in uh, obviously uh, a career in the defence force and then in nursing and healthcare. So I'm very passionate about it. Mm-hmm. So you, a lot of people have like a gap year. You know, they go off to Bali, they go off to Thailand. <laughs> Your first overseas trip ever for you was to. Yeah, I was, well, I went to Afghanistan. Yeah, when I was when I was 18, so I deployed quite young and, and uh, I was quite junior in my career in the army. So yeah, everyone, everyone wants to deploy, you know, a lot yeah. of people want to deploy when they're, when they're serving because obviously that's part of their job. Yeah. So your first ever overseas trip, you go to a war zone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So can you imagine that many, your son is turning 21. Yeah. Can no you way. imagine he, having, no way you wouldn't be able to handle that. Mm. Yeah. What did your parents think? Uh, yeah. Uh, mum was obviously quite stressed, mm-hmm. <laughs> very stressed. Uh, you know, it was, yeah, it was, they struggled. It was hard. Uh, we, we lost a lot of guys on that deployment. There was yeah. about 10 Australians died when I was over there, uh, six from my battle group and then, uh, some from the special forces, uh, group as well. So yeah, it was really traumatic time. And thank you for your service, by the way, of course. Um, how do you feel the general public view soldiers these days? Do you think there's a level of respect there that should be there, I feel should be there for people that serve their country, or do you think it's it's not that way? I think there is uh, a level of respect, but obviously it's it's starting to, uh, to dwindle a bit. Mm. I think, you know, some... 
some events, you know, there's a lot of stigma on the ADF and, and you know, war crimes and mm-hmm. stuff yeah. in, in the media for the last couple of years. Yeah. So uh, I think that definitely doesn't do do much for the reputation of, of, of soldiers and, and what they're doing. Because mm. so. that's hard. When you go over to America... Um, it's like everyone stands before any footy game. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? For for the war veterans. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's a sense of respect. And my my great-grandfather went to Gallipoli. Do you know what I mean? And I post a photo of him every, you know, Anzac Day and so proud of the history. But then it's this constant thing for, I guess, for the younger generation where it's it's not our war. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I think for the most part, Australians are very proud, uh, you know, of of uh, our military history uh, and, and serving members in the ADF. But... Um, you know, I think maybe the vocal minority, mm-hmm. you know, maybe yeah. change that a little bit. We so. know about them. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're loud, that's for sure. Well, I mean, that is a good point, though, you say, because I, I I still remember clearly watching um, Saving Private Ryan and my sister turned to me and said, you know, if that was today, that's and I was 18 at the time, and she's like, that's all your friends on that boat, and you go mm-hmm. like that. I can't imagine that this generation now doing that, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, For the TikTok views, they would. Can I take my phone? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think the obviously the the people we look up to in society is is changed drastically mm. over the years, and uh, yeah, influencers uh, seem to be the you know the main people yeah. these days. So um, you know, my my heroes are people that you know people don't know their names. Yeah, you know, like uh, special forces soldiers that have deployed you know ten twenty times over the last know. couple of decades, mm. and and you know they're the silent heroes in 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 society, in my 100%. opinion. Yeah. It's Michael in Ipswich. Michael, what's your question for Brody? Yeah, good morning, Brody. Thank you for your service. Um, uh, do you mind if I ask, what was your main motivation for joining the forces at such a young age? Uh, to be honest, um, I had a family friend who was in the Air Force. He was a pilot. Uh, he was telling me a story about some SAS soldiers that he was flying around. He told me about a book called Amazing SAS. I read that book when I was about 14, mm. and I just knew it's something I wanted to do. Mm. Uh, you know, it sounded like, obviously... Uh, yeah, would would obviously give me a lot of skill sets and uh, you know go on a bit of an adventure and yeah, from a very young age, I just I just knew it's something I wanted to do. Wow, awesome! The adventure, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. As uh, you know, I think that was a motivation for a lot of soldiers going to Gallipoli as well. You know, it's <laughs> of course. A, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. After you saw what you saw over there, though, were you like, what? Did you think it was a mistake, or were you still very very happy that you did it? No, I'm still very proud of my service. You know, and, and that I did it. Mm. Um, you know. Th- the experiences were quite unique and it's kind of, you know, made me the man that I am today. So, True. yeah. Mm. Emma's there from Springfield Lakes. You're on with Brody. Go ahead. Uh, hey there, Brody. Um, thank you also for your service. Um, my husband is a current serving member and is actually deployed right now. Yep. Um, this is our first um, deployment as a family um, since having children. And I guess, do you mind if I ask, what should I expect um, sort of when he comes back home? Yeah, so I, I would say f- thank you, Emma. Like the family unit is obviously so important and integral to, uh, you know, serving members. So, yeah, I know it's really difficult. So uh, when he comes back, obviously, you know, adjustment can take a little bit of time. So just be obviously empathetic and, uh, you know, You've obviously got your own routine with your family now, and it's it's hard to re-establish that routine together. That can be a bit, uh, you know, a bit of friction there. But yeah, I would just obviously say, you know, readjustment can be difficult and be empathetic. And if you see any signs that, you know, I think being proactive with healthcare is super important and mental health. So get them in contact with, uh, yeah, people that can help. What annoyed you most when you came back? 
Uh, yeah, like I think like we were talking about before, just, you know, the little things in terms of, you obviously you just got back from a war zone and, and, you know, you've got a lot of perspective and your, your challenges over there were very different to the challenges that people mm-hmm. face day to day in society. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you, you know, turning on the news and, and hearing people complaining about some pretty ridiculous things. <laughs> is, uh, like bad Wi-Fi and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and listening to that. So, uh, yeah, that, yeah, that was, that was hard to adjust to. And obviously you switched on for hyper alert for for six months or the whole deployment yeah. uh, and then come back and trying to just relax is, is really challenging. Yeah, so. I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, Mitch in Redcliffe has given us a call on 131060. Mitch, you're on with Brody. What's your question? Hey, Brody. Um, mate, do you mind if I ask? Uh, obviously, sort of combat's a pretty full-on thing, but I was wondering if there's any uh, guys that you worked with that almost got, that you, you felt got a bit of enjoyment out of killing or boasted about killing or anything like that. I, I definitely didn't come across it myself, Mitch, like, uh, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I haven't experienced that at all. Obviously, where everyone was very, very professional, we're there to do a job. We have, you know, rules of engagement and orders for opening fire. It's all based on legislation, and and you know, you obviously can't just go around committing war crimes. And mm-hmm. and and definitely, no one that I ever came across, uh, you know, enjoyed doing anything like that. No, but yeah, it's, it's a really good question. Mm. Well, there was Prince Prince Harry came out in his book. And that was uncomfortable, wasn't it? Yeah, talking about mentioned how many members he was involved in killing or whatever in the Taliban. Surely, there's rules. There's stuff you wouldn't be allowed to speak about, right? Well, yeah, I, you know, I can't speak for Prince Harry and, and what he can and can't speak about. But um, yeah, it's, it's it's definitely you know not something you should necessarily gloat about mm-hmm. uh you it's know like an unwritten uh, raw isn't it really i mean yeah, yeah yeah exactly and it's you know it's it's extremely confronting you mm-hmm. know but ultimately obviously that that is the reality of war yeah. um so you know I, I think there's two sides to every you know story in mm-hmm. terms of maybe he's just trying to bring awareness in terms of the reality of war but mm-hmm. gloating about it is mm-hmm. uh, is a different story and then mm-hmm. you know yeah it should be encouraged casey in springfield here on the air with Brody. uh what do you want to ask him Hi, Brody. Um, do you mind if I ask, what has the military done or have they put anything in place to make future generations want to sign up um, to the military? Yeah, well, I, you know, to be honest, I, I'm not uh, super aware of the, the programs going on at the moment for recruitment, but obviously recruitment's a huge and marketing is a huge uh huge part of the defense force because there is a huge turnover rate you know there's mm. about seven and a half thousand adf personnel getting out every year transitioning back into f- civilian life mm. so yeah they need to encourage you know keep that turnstile going and 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 you know keep as many people coming in as possible but you know i would encourage it for for a lot of young people that maybe necessarily don't know what they're doing with their life you know obviously is a huge amount of of uh skill sets that you, mm. that you get from your time in service that can yeah. really set you up i bet life. you make a mean bed yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> measure it perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, mate, we appreciate you coming in this morning and um, sharing your story and being so open and honest. And you're doing some fantastic work uh, in the mental health space uh, as well for veterans, which is so important um, as well. So thank you for coming in and telling your story. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on. Stab Abby and Matt on B105. <laughs> This morning, we are speaking to a guy who was part of the Last Scene Project, an art exhibition, and is an ex-army soldier. We're speaking to him ahead of Anzac Day tomorrow. Michael Lydia is on with us this morning. Hi, Michael. Hey, mate. How you doing? This is a wonderful um, exhibition. It's called Last Scene for a, a, a reason. Um, can you tell us why you were a part of it? Yeah, look, I guess the biggest uh, reason, the most important reason, is to 
raise awareness, you know, of how important sight can be. You know, we all take it for granted. I think a lot of people don't really and can appreciate what the loss could be like. And that's where, you know, Queens, oh, sorry, TAFE Queensland, uh, so forth, have gotten a group of great ambassadors and people together to share their stories, to help build awareness and knowledge about lost sight. And including yourself, because you're a former Australian Army soldier and you lost um, uh, the ability to see in one eye dismantling a bomb? Yeah, yeah, you could say I lost a few things. I definitely uh, was a uh, soldier. I was in the Army for 20, or just under 20 years as a bomb technician. Mm -hmm. And I guess you could say that, you know, um, the bomb bit me, handed me a new arse, probably the better way to put it, Um, where I lost my right eye visually impaired in the left, and I lost my right arm below the elbow and thumb and index figure with a number of scars over my body. Wow, and you've been doing that for 20 years and without without any other incident before that? Well, you know, obviously yeah. a soldier, there's always some form yeah. of incident, yeah. mate, but yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't but have th- anything else. This would have been, wow. I mean, you're going over there and obviously you've done so much training for it, but when you've got a Taliban who's got, an, I guess, an improvised explosion, something that is homemade, I mean, how can you actually even train for something like that? Well, you know, that's a, that's a good question, but, you know, I, I guess the bit, most important thing is, you know, I was well supported by my team members, my yeah. mates and my friends over there, but I ended up doing, you know, I think it was about a year of training over in America. I had another eight months of training in Australia. And then on top of that, I ended up doing the job for about 10 years yeah. where mm-hmm. I ended up doing a number of IED, um, explosive or disposal jobs in Australia, offshore and in other countries. How that line of work in the army, like I loved it, mate. Is it? Well, there's nothing else to explain it. You know, like you're yeah. a specialist. You know, the, yeah. the job is so unique. Mm. It comes down to a, a strong mindset, but at the same time, you know, the person needs to be a good fit because, as you can imagine, working under such pressure and working with a, a vast range of opportunity or threats, yeah. you know, it doesn't push you just physically and psychologically, but emotionally it puts you in a position where you need to be able to think broadly yeah. and outside the scope that the enemy would potentially try to be killing you or your mates. See, yeah. I admire you for it because there's, like a team goes, there's a threat there, there's a bomb. You're the one who yeah. puts your hand up and says, I'll stand in front of it and do my best to save everyone else. So, I mean, I, I respect you very heavily for doing that yeah well thanks mate but you know like you know you would know you've been part of the crew and team you know it's not just one person yes Mm. i might be on the site trying to do the job but you know we had the infantry around us but we also have you know supports to get us out on the site and then i had you know my searches and i had a number of men around me to help achieve the task Mm. yes i did the job and yes we had to work as a team but you know, overall, you know, a technician or a person is never alone. And I guess even during my recovery, I learned that more so. So, you know, it is hard, but I tell you now, there was nothing more appreciated being called forward, you know, under fire or not under fire, yeah. you know, to give your expertise and to support mates. And I imagine you spoke there a little bit about your recovery there. I imagine the mindset that you would need to have to do the work <laughs> that you did, that, that would aid in your that, that mental fortitude that you have would ha- have to have been a benefit when you had to go through recovery and, and, and take stock of everything that happened to you. Yeah, 100%, mate. Um, you know, I've been very fortunate. You know, my father was a veteran. I grew up and he knows this, that I vowed to be nothing like him mm-hmm. because of, you know, a strong man, a loving man, but I just didn't agree with some of the things that the way he brought me up. So I was reported by him and his mates. At the same time, you know, I had a number of barriers presented to me through the community and also the Defence Force. And because of these challenges and barriers, mm. 
it just made me a bit more pig-headed and determined to prove every community member, party, defence person member that I was able and I could move forward. So I've been fortunate just to, through my recovery, you know, I had a massive journey and then I've got to, you know, I've got to achieve a lot of sporting achievements and, you know, professional goals as well. Mm. With Anzac coming up, you've spoken so much about, I guess, your, your mateship as well and I'm sure that how much they've supported you. Is it, is it really important to you? What's your feelings for, for Anzac Day? You know, my feelings towards Anzac Day is probably more important now because I do miss that camaraderie with my mates in the Army. I don't have that sense of belonging anymore in the mm. Army. I no longer feel I am a defence or former member. Mm. So, you know, Anzac Day, um, Remembrance Day, they are of the biggest and the highest value, I think, to a veteran because we had this unique opportunity to be a part of something great, you know, which was to preserve Australia's interest. And as Anzac Day helps me to recall, you know, all those values that I stood up for, that Anzac spirit, you know, everything that they stood for, it gets me to remember that. But it also brings back a lot of memories, you know, positives and negative and the hardships that I enjoyed and my mates. But it just brings me that sense of belonging again, just for that 24 hours or 12 mm. hours. And it brings so much over, you know, empowerment and so much support and warmth um, to be a part of something again. The Last Scene exhibition, um, all the details, lastscene.com.au, it is a picture that's been done of sort of your last sort of thing that you saw. Is that sort of the <laughs> idea of it? Is that what they Yeah, that, that's definitely the idea, and I couldn't explain to Kim how and what I imagined. But, you know, when we did the Last Scene project, I had to explain the day before the event, mm-hmm. actually what happened on the day of the event, what actually happened during the event, and what happened after and what Kim ended up capturing, which I couldn't really imagine or see, is what I shared with him, which was more of a neurological adrenaline response. Mm-hmm. And I guess just to explain it, it, he's created this picture where it shows what I thought I could see when I, after I got blown up. And what I mean is I got blown back. I came to after being thrown on my back. Mm-hmm. But I thought I could see red because I could taste blood in my mouth. Right. I could... Mm-hmm see brown because I was, you know, spitting out dirt and could taste dirt and wiping dirt off me. But at the same time, I thought I could see fire because I've seen detonations before. I've seen bombs blow up. So I was visually visualizing what I could see through taste and smell and my last seen or last known sight. So he created this picture from taste and smell that really replicated from what I see chaos wow. because it actually triggered me uh, the other night but um, it is so powerful it's just so powerful visually it's just going to be a great achievement for everyone that's done what they've done and put into the expedition well get along and check it out the proceeds from last scene enable the Queensland Eye Institute Foundation to continue their research to save people's sight um, it's on until the April 29th uh, mate we really appreciate your time this morning and um, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us Awesome. My uh, my pleasure.